Today is family worship, so our kids are with us in here, and they get a chance to hear from the Word of God from, from Rob this morning, and we're excited that they are here. I want to tell you a couple things. We just got back from our men's retreat. Uh, you saw a video earlier this, this morning, and we had 20 men go to Falls Creek. Uh, one of our men actually um, was rededicated his life to Christ this weekend. Praise God for that and what God's doing there. We were also mentioned this week, I got a letter in the mail from the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma uh, that we were one of the top 100 givers to the cooperative program for missions and church planning around the world right here at Northwest. So praise God for that. We are one of the top givers in the state of Oklahoma. And uh, praise God that he's doing that. Today, actually, after we're done um, preaching the sermon, we are going to recognize some of our seniors that are graduating high school as they uh, begin a new journey in their life. They move out of the nest and become college students. And uh, Chris, in our, in our youth ministry and even our children's ministry, has done a fabulous job preparing our students, getting our parents um, ready to disciple them and send them out into the lost world to reach people for Christ. But I'm sure that you've seen some of the statistics of church-going young people when they get to college. Um, some of the statistics came out, LifeWay just came out in January with some statistics saying two-thirds or 66% of those that attended a Protestant church regularly in high school will not in college. Two-thirds that go to church in high school will not in college. That's, that's a large number, way too large. And the, the study asked the question, why? And 96% of the response of these individuals that were not attending a church was that their situation changed or they had a reason for, was because of a life change. It might be they went to college. They don't know where to go. They don't have relationships with people. They may disagree with the church, not sure about the staff or the, the pastor. They need a break. They simply fill their time with something else. Or they just got bored with it. This morning, I think this is a perfect scripture to talk about to some of our seniors we're going to recognize this morning. Because it's one of the I am statements of Christ. And Jesus is saying, I am what you need for life. Nothing else. So my prayer for you this morning is that no matter what your circumstance is in, how it changes in your life, that you fall more and more in love with this Jesus, that wherever you go, whatever you do, you walk with him. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how easy it is, but you walk with the one who gives life. Jesus declares in this statement, we're going to read it here in a minute. 
that you can chase after all these things in life. You can chase after money. You can chase after friends. You can chase after education. You can chase after fame. You can chase after relationships. But what you need for life is Jesus himself. Don't seek Jesus because he gives you bread. But seek Jesus because he is the bread that brings life. So turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 25. It says this. Will you stand with me in honor of reading God's word as we do here at Northwest? John chapter 6, verse 25. It's on page 891 in the Bible in front of you. It says this. When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, When did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which it, the Son of Man, will give to you. For on him God has set his seal Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Let's pray. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for this morning that we get to open up your word, that we get to understand who you are and father help us to understand who you are so that we may believe in you that we may fully trust and fully put our weight upon you for our life father help us to recognize more than just surface level help us to understand There's more to life than just things, than just food, than this bread, than this 
Help us to understand this great God who loves us and has called us to himself. Father, as we study your word this morning, we pray that you would speak through your Holy Spirit, speak through your truth. Give us a desire and a heart for you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of you guys may know my father. He sits over here, right here, and uh, he's a good man. But when we were younger, he was reluctant to get a dog. But guess what? Mom wanted a dog. And you know how that goes in some of your households. Not sure. You can ask him later, but not sure if he was a, a cat guy or didn't just like the idea of a dog, something else to worry about. Not sure. But when the discussion about a dog came up, one of the token lines uh, that he would say, and he still says to this day, is that's all we need around here is just another dog. Right? Until one day... Um, my Aunt Emily, who's with us today, she is actually just cancer-free. Praise the Lord. She's been battling that for a while, and we're so blessed to have you here today. But one day, Aunt Emily um, decided she was going to get a dog, and uh, she was going to get a Great Dane. I don't know if you know what a Great Dane is, but it's a huge dog. Lots of old cartoons have Great Danes like Scooby-Doo, Astro from the Jetsons, Marmaduke, you know. I was, I was actually thinking about these cartoons when I was thinking about this Great Dane. I was thinking all these cartoons have like great families and today's cartoons don't have the family in them, but that, that's another time. We'll talk about that later. But she got a Great Dane puppy. And as she was getting this Great Dane puppy, she was getting a purebred Great Dane puppy, she went to the, the place, and they had a Great Dane puppy that was blind in one eye. And she asked the people, well, what, uh, what are you going to do with this, this one that's this born blind in one eye? And they said, well, we're probably going to have to put it down. It's like a purebred, you know, extra special place. And so... She says, oh, I'm sure my sister will take the puppy. We can't leave the puppy, right? That's right. So she comes to our house with two Great Dane puppies. Of course, they're so cute and adorable. And as soon as the Great Dane puppy comes out of the car with one eye, who was going to be put down, you know the, 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 the thing here, there was no stopping that train, right? I mean, it was coming, and Poppy, my father, he could not stop it. So fast, food, fast forward a few years, and 150 pounds later, we have a popcorn harlequin 150-pound Great Dane who roams our small yard in Edmond. We had an electric fence, and we would watch the postman pull up and laugh at him as he would see this dog, and sometimes our mail wouldn't reach the mailbox on the other side of the sidewalk. It was like a miniature horse outside. Anyway, we're having the whole family over for dinner one time on Thanksgiving, and we had prepared this great big feast. Lots of people, you could smell 
the smells in the kitchen, it was wafting through the whole house, and the turkey was moist, but not too moist. The lady's been prepping all day for this event. Everything was ready. We're getting ready. And we hear this high-pitched squeal. He's got the turkey. Leroy has got the turkey. Our great Dane had helped himself to that nice, sweet, juicy turkey as we began holding hands to pray. And he begins running through the house with the huge turkey in his mouth. I'd never seen a big turkey in my life. And he's running around the house with it. People are screaming. People are running after the dog. Bodies are flying everywhere. There's announcers somewhere saying, the band is on the field. The band is on the field. And now we understand when Jesus says in verse 27, do not labor for food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life. I was thinking about this question. How much of our life is spent on things that will last forever? How much of our life is spent on things that will perish? You see, Jesus says, I am all that you need. I am the bread of life. Whoever shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm preaching this text this morning to tell you that Christ is sufficient for you. That by believing and trusting in him alone, you have eternal life. Life in his name. Just to give you a bit of context of where we are here in John chapter 6, Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, probably more like 20,000 because they're only counting the head of the households at this time, the, the men. And so you, if you include the women and the children, we're probably talking about 20,000 people. And he takes this boy's five loaves and two fish. J.D. Greer calls it his Hebrew happy meal. And he feeds the masses. He feeds them five loaves and two fish. He multiplies the food. Everyone has enough to where they are full. And he gathers the baskets up and there's 12 baskets left over. And Jesus withdraws from the crowd that wants to make him king so that they can get these material possessions. They can get more food. And he withdraws from the masses. The disciples go to the other side and Jesus follows them, except he just walks on the water and follows them. And he gets to the other side of the lake. But the masses have found Jesus again with his disciples. And they ask him this question in verse 25, John 6, is where we picked up reading this morning. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They had just eaten as much as they wanted. They saw five loaves and two fish transform into 20,000 people's meals. 
Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to them, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. This is our first point this morning. I think we need to understand what Jesus is saying here. The Lord provides what we need. Now, that's a capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. And we've been going through this series on the I am statements. Jesus is proclaiming that he is God, that he is God, the provider. I love this. Jesus sees sick people and he heals them. He sees massive crowds that are physically hungry and he feeds them. But guess what? That is not what he is ultimately after. He is after something so much greater. And, and this, this dialogue between the people and Jesus, you can see this tension rising. They don't understand what Jesus is actually after. He's after eternal life. You see, in the Old Testament, the bread of heaven, in which they're talking about here with Moses, was called manna. The people were grumbling and complaining after God had miraculously delivered them from Egypt. And they said, well, we had food to eat in Egypt. Let us go back to our slavery so we can eat of that food. They're grumbling and complaining, and God says, no, no, I'm your provider. I'm going to cause bread from heaven to come down, and you're going to gather it up. Oh, people, have faith in our God who is our provider. And God gives them manna from heaven. Manna literally means in the Hebrew, what is it? Right? The Bible mentions it tasted like wafers and honey. But you know, one of the interesting things about this manna is, is they had to trust that God would bring it every day. So one of the qualifications about the manna is you had to, to gather enough up to eat just that one day because you had to trust that God would provide the next day. And so one person tried to, to gather more than they needed for that day, and they tried to store it up, and guess what? Worms ate it. It was destroyed. It didn't stay. It's probably a lot like McDonald's french fries, right? You get them hot and fresh with a gallon of salt on poured on them, and they taste so good. And then 15 minutes later, it tastes like soggy waffles, right? I don't know if you've ever done that. I have not been... I've not had the gumption enough to try McDonald's french fries the day after. If one of you young people have done that, you can tell me about that afterwards, but I'm not going to do that. But the Lord was showing these people that they had to place their faith in God. 
that he would provide for them each day or else they would just spoil. They had to trust the provider. What has God wanted you to trust in your life? Maybe things haven't worked out the way that maybe you planned them. And God is asking you to trust him with some of the things that you need. This is what Jesus prays in the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He knows what we need. Why would we go elsewhere? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He goes on in verse 31 to say, Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think we should look, the the church, the people of God, should look at what what Jesus did here. He meets physical needs. Brothers and sisters, we should meet physical needs in our community, with homeless, with the poor, with the orphans, with the widows. We should be giving of our resources to others to help meet needs, but that is not the ultimate goal of Jesus and should not be the ultimate goal of his church. If all we do is meet needs, we've missed the goal. You see, the crowd wanted him to end world hunger. They wanted him to bring about world peace. They wanted to make him king, and yet Jesus was addressing a deeper need. And church, we, we, we need to address the deeper needs. But as Jesus stated here, we, we cannot only address, we can't expect to address deeper needs if we're not meeting physical needs as well. But what Jesus does next is he reveals the hidden manna, the deeper need of mankind. We declare to the world that Jesus is the bread of life, that he brings life, that his body was broken for you for salvation in Christ alone. So look what he says here. Verse 32, then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven, the true bread. That's what we need to give people. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is our second point this morning, summarized in one sentence here. What we need is God himself. What we need is God himself. Don't miss this as the crowd does. 
They want bread always. They want material possessions always. They want to end all their problems. They want the physical comforts of the world far more than what they need. Far more than their desire for God himself. And after Jesus declares to them he is truly what they need for eternal life, later in this passage, he has some hard statements. The conversation continues. He is telling them that he is truly the fulfillment of the Passover. In verse 48, he says, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then he goes on to say some really hard things. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh Eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. You have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's a pretty tough statement. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And what happens after this? John chapter 6, verse 66 after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? We have the, you have the words of eternal life and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, the crowd, they can't handle it. They come to Jesus to get stuff. And guess what? That is not the gospel. This is a false gospel in which Jesus actually turns people away from him. Come to Jesus and get stuff. That is false. Money, health, bread, house, family, job. This is a false gospel. All 11 of the disciples were persecuted for their faith. 10 were martyred, give up their life. The 11th was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus didn't tell his disciples, come follow me and have this perfect life. Come follow me and die. Jesus himself lived in the perfect will of the Father and yet died humiliated upon a cross, nothing in his bank account, and no place to lay his head. You see, Jesus doesn't just give us bread. He is the bread. C.S. Lewis said this, it seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, 
because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. We want lesser bread. Don't desire lesser bread. Now, now it's not to say that God won't give you a better family or greater prosperity. For there are thousands of blessings that God wants to give His children. But until you feast upon the bread of Jesus Himself, all the other things you are seeking are going to leave you hungry. You see, if we're enjoying and delighting in our God, all these other things we can delight in as well. But until we are delighting in our God, these other things are just taking our heart and our mind and we are never satisfied. Because our delight is in the Lord. Not in these things. You were created for far more than perishable stuff. John Piper says this, Indeed, there are 10,000 gifts that flow from the love of God, but none of these gifts will lead to final joy if they have not first led to God. What does this mean? This means that activism, political causes, are secondary to the gospel. I'm not saying they're not important. They are. But they are secondary. Our generation is very cause-driven. Tom Shoes is a great example. I don't know if you know about Tom Shoes. My wife has a few pairs, but it's a great thing. You buy one, you give one, right? Buy one, and then they provide shoes for someone who doesn't have one. Tremendous idea. But what good is it if a child is well-fed and well-clothed and does not know the living God. What good is it? You see, church, it's our responsibility to take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's not someone else's responsibility. It is ours. Point to the one who gives life. Tell them about the eternal bread. If all we do is tell people about the stuff, we've missed the point. In the Old Testament, the Passover meal, it was to celebrate God's salvation from the Egyptian bondage. And they would, they would eat unleavened bread because they didn't have time to leaven the bread as they were leaving Egypt because they were plundering Egypt as they were leaving God has delivered them and they're going through this Passover time when Jesus is speaking these words. They're celebrating this Passover. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. And it's giving us a picture of this unleavened bread. So I, I looked in, in the Bible and Galatians 5.9 talks about leaven as, as a picture or scripture of sin. And yet Jesus is the unleavened bread. Jesus is the bread that never sinned. Jesus is the only one that has never sinned. Yet, He gave His life, He gave His body that was broken for us. 
to the cross to pay for our sin. That's what we do every time we take the Lord's Supper. We got to take it two times last week. We're reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for us. It is the bread of life which was broken for us and that believing upon Him may grant us eternal life. And guess what? Eternal life. Why do we want eternal life? It's because we get to be with this great God. Jesus is saying, I am all you need. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part and I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Paul talks about this. One day we will see Jesus in full glory. Look at verse 36 with me. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Come to Jesus. His invitation is there for you. This is our last point this morning. Believers in Christ inherit eternal life. Believers in Christ inherit eternal life. Have you become consumed with much lesser bread? Cars, money, boats, marriage. Some good things, but none of those things can bring about the fullness of joy. And I believe that you cannot fully enjoy those things unless you're eating of the bread of life. Have you created your own personal Jesus? One in which you say, I follow Jesus so I can get these things. I always love hearing testimonies about people's faith in God. We heard a lot this weekend at the men's retreat, but it's always encouraging. And they say, I believe in Jesus, even though I have gone through the valley of the shadow of death. I still believe. When they've had cancer, or they lost a loved one, or their world came tumbling down, I believe upon Jesus because he is the bread of life. You see, their faith is not in bread, but the one who is the bread of life. Why do you desire to go to heaven? Just think about that for a minute. Is it for a round of golf? Is it so your muscles don't ache? Or is it to see God face to face? 
You see, how, how can we on this earth not live to know this great God who loves us and then want to spend eternity with him? You see, knowing who this great God is and knowing who Jesus is changes the way that we live on this earth. You see, heaven and hell is just an extension of our desires here on earth. We desire to be with God. Guess what happens? We are with God. He gives us a resurrected body. We have placed our faith in Christ. We desire the things of God. We are with him for all eternity because that's where we desire to be. And guess what? If we do not desire the things of God, if we just want to live forever in our own state of hopelessness and things that we have here on this earth that will never satisfy, that is hell. Eternity without God in our own state. C.S. Lewis said this, God threatens terrible things for those who refuse to be infinitely satisfied in him. You see, I believe in Jesus not for something, but for someone. We were all created to have a relationship with God. And when we don't have that, we have a hole in our heart. We were created to bring him glory. So church, as we close today, may we be a people of God who proclaim the greatness of God, his wonderful provision, his wonderful grace that he has given to us, a world who is in hunger and thirsting to know him, to have a relationship with him, to be cleansed of sin, who feels the guilt and the weight of shame. And yet Jesus says, I will take that upon the cross. How can we not proclaim that? How can we not proclaim that? I want to finish Reading one section of scripture, one of our people texted me this scripture, and I think the Lord wanted me to share it with you this morning. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal and I was reading, I was at a funeral last week and one of the guys got up and he shared about Abraham. And, the, and, and, and Abraham dies, it talks about Abraham and he says something to the effect of Abraham breathed his last and he was gathered to his people. He died on earth, but he was with God and his people. Eternity matters in the lives of people, in their hearts. Do they know the, the one who is the bread of life? May we be a people that are willing to step out in faith and share the gospel so that we will have people that are gathered to us with him in eternity. Let's share the bread of life.
Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are the bread of life, that you give to us what we need. Lord, we ask this morning that that if there's people here that are in need of that bread, that they need to repent and get on their knees and say, I believe that you are the Son of God, just as his disciples said, you are the one that has the words of eternal life. I don't know all the answers, but I know that Jesus is who he says he is because of the resurrection. Father, we ask that those people would come forward this morning and give their life to Christ. Father, there are many in here that have given their life to you. And Father, would you give them the boldness, empower them to share the gospel with the people that they see at their workplace, that they would be reminded of this great God who gives the bread of life, that gives eternal life through Jesus. And would you just empower them to share that with their loved ones, with the people that they know. Father, help us to trust you with our daily bread. Help us to trust you with even the things of this life. And help us to realize that there's so much more for us. Father, as we come before you in worship, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would renew our minds, that you would encourage us to live out the gospel in every single area of our life. Father, if there's those here, we pray that they would come, that they would come to Jesus as he says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As Chelsea plays, Father, We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.